You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into today's episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy to be with you here, as always. I'm a contributor to AthonSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. But of course, we are talking Penn State football every Monday through Friday right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And of course, we are reacting to the potentially devastating news that Penn State may not have one of their top offensive players at all this season. That would be running back Journey Brown. Now, if you're like me, you woke up yesterday morning, you saw the headlines, you saw the alerts on your phone saying that Journey Brown may miss the entire season. We'll obviously react to that in today's episode because we didn't get a chance to do that on Tuesday. But we also have an interview with our new friend, Jack Grossman, who covers the Indiana Hoosiers. You can check out all of his Indiana coverage over on the Crimson Coverage podcast. He also does some work for ESPN Louisville. I'm very happy to have him be our first guest of the 2020 college football season, Penn State football season, I should say. Uh, we'll have that for you coming up later in today's episode. But of course, first, we're going to start reacting to the news of Journey Brown. Before we do that, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss a single episode. Remember, we're doing these episodes Monday through Friday, and we're sprinkling out some other coverage and some other content on our other social media platforms, such as Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. So make sure you're following us on all of those social media platforms as well using the username LockedOnNittany. Now, you're already subscribed, you're following us on Twitter, you're liking us on Facebook, and you're checking out our Instagram feed. Now let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. So I wake up around 3.30 every Monday through Friday, get ready for my day job during the day. And there are some mornings when I wake up and I see the notifications on my phone giving me some of the latest buzz from around the world of sports. Like this team has won this game, this team has won this championship. This Penn State running back could potentially miss the season. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what was that? So, yeah, I woke up Tuesday morning. I saw the notifications on my phone, one from ESPN, one from The Athletic, both saying the same thing. Penn State running back Journey Brown could potentially miss the entire 2020 season due to an undisclosed medical injury or medical issue, I should say. And that made me do a double take. And I was like, whoa, this is not a good situation to be in. And now I'm kind of curious to see what exactly is this undisclosed medical issue. I don't know if it has been confirmed what it is or what it is not at this point in time. But it is certainly something that should be taken very seriously. Again, I don't know what the severity of this undisclosed medical issue is. But it's certainly severe enough to consider not playing football as the best possible path. Now, Penn State released their depth chart, of course, uh, before all of this came out. And, uh, of course, Journey Brown is not listed on the depth chart. Noah Kane is your starting running back, followed by Devin Ford. Kasai Holmes is going to be one of the backups as well. So this is, uh, this is pretty troubling news for Penn State and its offense. Now, let's look at this a, a couple of ways first and foremost. Uh, obviously, the health of Journey Brown is of the utmost importance in all of this. So whatever needs to be done to ensure that he is in the best position for his health and whatever his situation may be, you obviously have to do whatever is in his best interest for his long-term health and stability. If that means potentially being able to play football again, that would be fantastic. I hope it happens sooner rather than later. I hope it is something that is still in the cards for him because he is such a talented football player and a running back that we have seen make some big moments happen 
and I'm sure he will do be able to do that once again down the line if football's still going to be in the cards. And again, I I hope that that is the case. I, I hope that it's just something right now where you just need to sit back and and take all the precautions you need, especially in 2020 with everything that's been going on in the pandemic. I don't know if it's related to that in any way, but we're not taking any chances here with the health of players, nor should we ever, mind you. But certainly. Uh, whatever the situation is, it's severe enough where not playing football is the best option right now for Journey Brown. So whatever the case may be, we wish him all the best of luck. We hope that he is able to get through whatever he happens to be working through. And hopefully that's not going to be something that uh, inhibits his future uh, in football and in life uh, moving forward. Now, with the Penn State running back situation, I mentioned no Kane is going to be your starting running back. And I think if you're Penn State, you're still feeling pretty good about your running back situation. Noah Kane, when he was healthy last year, showed you some of those glimpses of what he can be. And I think the development and the maturity as he continues to grow within this program should put him in a pretty good spot to be a featured back that you feel pretty good about uh, moving forward. And Devin Ford obviously is going to take on a little bit more of an increased role, you would suspect. And that is still a, going to be a pretty good running back combo, I think, that Penn State will have in 2020, supposing that those players stay healthy. Remember, No Kane uh, got banged up a little bit last year, had some nagging injuries that kind of slowed him down and kept him out of some action uh, as the season went on. I still feel pretty good about Noah Kane. I, I think he, he's going to be a really fun running back for Penn State. Uh, obviously, it stinks that Journey Brown is not going to be a part of this mix, but Penn State's running back situation still has some pretty good reason to be optimistic about what it can do this year. I'm not saying that the running back position is all of a sudden a dire question mark for the Nittany Lions. It certainly hurts not having Journey Brown, just like it hurts the defense not having Micah Parsons. I'm not saying Journey Brown is on the level of Micah Parsons, but it's a similar situation where you've you're not having one of your best players on that side of the football that had a star-studded main attraction uh, big game performance in the Cotton Bowl at the end of last season. Now you don't have Michael Parsons. Now you don't have Jeremy Brown. Those are dampers for your offense and your defense, but these are still going to be good defensive units, good offensive units. I'm not pushing any panic buttons just yet as far as Penn State is concerned. I have faith in the running back position as it is, and I do think that this is going to be a fun offense to watch develop and make some big things happen this year, certainly still on the ground. So again, we wish the best of luck for Journey Brown, and we look forward to seeing what Penn State's running back situation looks like as the games officially get underway. One quick uniform note, I thought we were done with the uniform news, but it looks like Penn State is going to have one of those unity patches on their jerseys as well as on their helmet. I saw a glimpse of it uh, pop through on my Twitter feed as I was recording this and another episode or another guest appearance on another podcast uh, on Tuesday afternoon. So I, I'm all for it. I think it's fine. I've, so I've certainly seen a number of other teams put together some kind of a unity patch or uniform or unity logo to make a part of their uniform. And I'm all for it. I think uh, finding ways to come together and show that you are uh, promoting togetherness and unity and equality. I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you have a problem with that, you can go talk to somebody else because I'm not interested in hearing what you have to say. And this is a good way to show that you are being a part of a positive culture change in our society and you want your Penn State program, you want your leaders to be a part of that moving forward. If you disagree with that, fine. You can go take it somewhere else. 
that's what I have to say about it. So I'm all for it. I, I think it's fine, and I look forward to seeing it on the uniform this year. I, I don't know if this is going to be something that becomes a regular thing on the uniform. So if you're one of those traditionalists that's really up in arms about anything being added to the Penn State uniform, I get it. I will entertain that idea in the long term. But I think as far as this year in particular is concerned, I am all for it, and I'm happy to see it happening at Penn State, just like I am at other schools around the country. I don't know about you guys, but I work a lot during the week. I wake up at 3.30 in the morning every Monday through Friday. I go and do my eight to nine hour uh, day job. Then I come home and I put these podcasts together. I'm doing some other content. I've got a lot going on this time of year, but it gets kind of tiring, and I admit, by the time Friday rolls around, Saturday comes around, I'm ready to just sit back, relax, and chill out. And the best way to chill out is by watching your favorite college football team, maybe Penn State, and kicking back with a nice cold, refreshing Coors Light. Coors Brewing Company of Golden, Colorado wants you to celebrate responsibly as Penn State and the Big Ten kick off their 2020 season this weekend. And what better way to just chill than kicking back and watching the Nittany Lions take on the Indiana Hoosiers this Saturday afternoon. You've all deserve it. You've been working hard. You've been going through a really tough year. Why not kick back, just relax, chill out, watch Penn State, drink a nice, cold, refreshing Coors Light. And the best way to do that is to get that Coors Light delivered right to you. That's right, contactless delivery for ice-cold, refreshing Coors Light. All you got to do is go to get.coorslight.com, check out all the information, and they will deliver it straight to your door. So when you want to hit the reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. For me, that's Coors Light. Coors Brewing Company, Golden Colorado, reminds you to celebrate responsibly. As I just mentioned about a minute ago, I work a lot of hours during the week, and sometimes it is tough to stay full and energized to get through the daily grind that is my workday. But the one thing I can rely on to help me get through it is Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a chocolate bar, and now they're even more deliciouser than they've ever been before. You've heard me talk about these before. They've got 12 original flavors, such as peanut butter and banana bread, mint brownie. But they also have six new flavors that they're excited to share with you guys as well, including cookies and cream, caramel brownie, apple almond crisps, and lemon almond cheesecake, just to name a few. And these are healthy. You can make them a part of any diet, whether you're looking to lose weight, maintain weight. I got to say, I have lost a good amount of weight over the course of the past year, and the Built Bar has been a delicious way to help me do that in the recent months. And I'm happy to share them with you. And if you want to check them out for yourself, all you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your next order. That's 20% off your next order. And while supplies last, they'll even throw in a free cooler with that purchase. So once again, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I'm very pleased to introduce our first guest on the podcast this season. He is Jack Grossman. You can check him out at the Crimson Coverage Podcast. You can also find him on Twitter at Jack Grossman97. And don't forget to check out his coverage with ESPN Louisville. Jack, welcome to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. It's a pleasure to bring on somebody with some input on Indiana. How are you doing today? I am excited that we're actually going to be getting a Big Ten football season. Knock on wood that nothing happens the next six days or so, but I'm just excited that it looks like we're going to be playing some football. Yeah, it's officially official, right? I mean, the game week is finally here. And I know you've probably been seeing some of the same things I've been seeing on our end over here. You know, just when you think the season's going to start, then all of a sudden shut down. And it's just been uh, one of the most bizarre off seasons that I can recall. I'm sure it's been the same with Indiana fans as well. Oh, yeah, it's been a very weird offseason, even if it was a normal offseason, just because Indiana fans 
have been oddly optimistic about their football team, which is something that, as you probably know, Kevin, never happens with Indiana football. <laughs> like, this is a team that comes off an 8-5 and five season, which they haven't done that in 26 years. I know a lot of Penn State fans probably laugh, like, oh, 8-5, and five, that's so bad. Like, that's great for Indiana football. It, it's very, very uh, different expectations than what a lot of the other Big Ten East powers have. Then you bring back most of the talent from that team. You get Michael Penix back. So a lot of people legitimately thought in the original schedule that IU could win eight, nine, maybe including the bowl game, even a 10th game, which IU's never done before. So it's been a little bit different now with the new schedule, Big Ten only, only playing eight games. But it, there's still as much excitement as I think there's ever been for the IU football program, at least during my lifetime, probably since the uh, late 80s and the peak of the Bill Mallory era. Well, look, if Indiana wins 10 games this year, you guys are going to have a really fun season. <laughs> But that is, that is <laughs> yeah, that'd a, be something. <laughs> it's a very good point, though, because they are coming off one of the more successful seasons that Indiana has seen in quite some time. And even though Penn State has had the upper hand on Indiana traditionally since this series got started, you know, Indiana has given Penn State some really close calls. And I'm looking at this game in particular, and I'm thinking that you know, I don't know if it's a bad spot or a good spot to get Indiana as early as Penn State is getting in this week. I think uh, this is one of those tricky games that Penn State has on the road this year that should not be taken for granted, I think, if you're a Penn State fan. You mentioned the guy that I'm most concerned about, I think, coming into this game is Michael Penix, uh, quarterback, can do some really good things. Talk to me a little bit more about his development at the quarterback position under Tom Allen and Indiana. Well, the development has been, can he stay on the field? That's basically pretty much what it is. He uh, towards ACL, actually, in the Penn State game a couple years ago in his redshirt season, that was really the first – action in a big ball game that we had seen from him in his career. He comes back, he wins the starting job over Peyton Ramsey going into last season, which Ramsey led IU, you had had, had the IU record for completion percentage in the history of the program, and Penix is able to unseat him, just speaks to the potential that Michael Penix has as a quarterback, and he showed he has all the talent. He can make every throw on the field. He's great in the short game, intermediate intermediate throws, and can throw the long ball as well. In the game in East Lansing last year, I know Michigan State was a bit disappointing season ago, but they still finished with a top 12 defense. He sets a Big Ten record with 20 passes completed in a row in the middle of that game. He has really good receivers in Wapfillier, Ty Fry, Fogel, Peyton Hendershot, the tight end, so he has some weapons. But the big question is, can he stay healthy? He didn't complete many of the games that he started, and he only started in six of them because – he came off that torn ACL from last season, and he had all sorts of issues. He missed the Penn State game last year, the Ohio State game, the Michigan game. So this is really the first, other than Michigan State last season, and that game obviously was viewed much bigger then than it ended up would have been because of how mediocre Michigan State ended up being. Being This is really the first big test against a major top 10 ranked opponent for Michael Penix. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But if he plays well, Indiana has a very real shot of winning this game because he is a guy that can make any throw on the field that you would want a quarterback to be able to make. He's accurate and he has the arm trade to go with it. I've seen some of the lines that are starting to come out for these uh, first games of the Big Ten season, and Penn State's coming in six and a half, seven point favorite. I feel like that's probably right around where I would put it because I do think that Indiana is going to be capable of giving Penn State some problems. Now, I don't know how much of the college football you've been watching since uh, the, the season officially started, but you know probably as well as anybody that teams getting started are a little choppy a little bit right now. So I'm wondering if you're Indiana, is that an advantage against Penn State, do you think? Or, you know, it's just one of those X factors. We don't really know one way or the other how this is all going to play out. There's two ways to look at it because I, I do think it's an advantage for Indiana generally that they get Penn State first, and it's 
a bigger advantage that Penn State plays Ohio State right after Indiana to where Penn State's Super Bowl, for lack of a better term, is that Ohio State game year in, year out right now, whereas Indiana, it's just can we beat any of these legitimate teams in the Big Ten? That's kind of where we're at, where Indiana, Tom Allen, trying to take that next step as a program, is beating a Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State. Is Can they beat one of those three? Or they have Wisconsin on the schedule this year, so you can throw them in as well. But it's can they beat one of those teams? So Indiana's had that Penn State game circled since the schedule came out. They feel like that's a great shot to try to get that win. I do think that helps that Indiana gets it rather bad. But as you said, it's been really sloppy the first weeks of the season. We all remember the BYU-Navy game where they hung, I think, 58 points on the midshipmen. And Indiana, why why are people texting me? I'm sorry. But <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. But, but Indiana last season struggled with missed tackles in their opener against Ball State. They missed 23 tackles for 168 yards after contact against Ball State. They end up winning the game. You see, it's Ball State. You can overcome that against a team like Ball State. So I'm wondering if Tom Allen, because last season he took such an approach of trying to be conservative, trying to keep guys healthy, and it paid off from a health standpoint, but he had all those missed tackles in week one where it wasn't an issue much after that. Se- the rest of the season is how, do th- how does the Indiana coaching staff handle the awkward offseason when they've struggled with tackling early in the season in the past? And I think that's a really big question mark to where that gives Penn State an advantage that is a big question mark for Indiana going into the game that wouldn't be there if it was any other game in the week. Yeah, like Indiana and Penn State can attest, I'm sure not having much of a spring practice season or any spring practice season, and then obviously having so many disruptions during the course of the summer and leading up to the fall season, everybody's going to have a few more questions than they would like to have, I think, going into the season. That's why it's going to be nice just to see them go out and then let's see what happens. <laughs> you know, once you actually get on the field against a, a live opponent, it's going to be very interesting. And it's a good matchup to start the year, I think, for both Indiana and for Penn State. Uh, good tests all around. Tom Allen, okay, going into what, year four now. Uh, year five, if you want to include the interim uh, bowl game that he coached. But he, he seems to have things under pretty good control. Obviously, first two full seasons, uh, just missing out on the bowl season. But you got the sense that they were getting close. And then, obviously, last year they get over that hurdle. What's the next hurdle for Indiana to clear? Obviously, only eight-game schedule or nine-game schedule for the Big Ten this year. So you can't necessarily go strictly like win total. So what is the, uh, the main goal other than trying to win, win a couple surprise games along the way? That, that really is the goal, is is can they beat one of the top three teams in the Big Ten East or Wisconsin? Because I feel like if you go 4-4 four and four and you beat Michigan State, a team that you traditionally don't beat very often, it can be sold as a successful year. But I feel there's going to be a lot of that taste of the mouth of can we finally beat someone good as a program. And if you don't beat Penn State, you don't beat Wisconsin, you don't beat Ohio State or Michigan – it's still kind of like last season. Indiana's best win was over a Nebraska team that finished with a losing record. So even with an eight-win season, there's some doubters of can you beat the best teams on your schedule? You don't even do it consistently, just every once in a while. Can Indiana finally be the team that, you know, Purdue beats Ohio State a couple years ago, Illinois beats Wisconsin. Can Indiana finally get one of those random wins? And this is as much talent as Indiana's had in any year that, that under Tom Allen for sure, but really, again, going back to those late 80s teams, which is the last time Indiana beat Ohio State, Michigan, ironically enough, back in 87 and 88. So you, you, it's just, for me, the season's all about can they beat one of those big dogs in the Big Ten. And then from a coaching's perspective and 
something that Tom Allen's echoed a bunch as well. Indiana hasn't won a bowl game since 1991. So it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the Pinstripe Bowl or the Mayo Bowl, whatever the heck they're calling the Belk Bowl now, or the Music City Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Rose Bowl. If Indiana can beat any opponent in a bowl game, it will be viewed as a major step in the right direction as a program just because Indiana, again, hasn't won a bowl since 1991 and has only been in four bowls since that point. So getting to a bowl game, which doesn't really mean anything this year because anyone can get to a bowl game, but more importantly, winning that bowl game is still a very big deal for Indiana. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point because everybody is now officially bowl eligible. So congratulations, Indiana, on being <laughs> bowl eligible for two straight years. Uh, you worked really hard. But in, in all seriousness, I, I do agree. I think that is probably one of the next steps uh, for Indiana and Tom Allen. And, you know, hey, I'm rooting for you guys. I, I hope you don't get it this weekend. But uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I do think that Indiana is one of those teams that I don't mind seeing be successful. I like seeing programs grow. I like seeing programs take those next steps. And I feel like watching Indiana be one of those programs, it's been pretty enjoyable for me so I'm looking forward to seeing what they have cooked up for them this season I do kind of uh, am curious a little bit about the defensive side obviously we focus a lot on what Indiana has offensively but what do they have defensively or where are they looking to improve defensively if they are going to accomplish some of these goals this year well they bring back 82 percent of their production on defense from last season Indiana was the second youngest team in the Big Ten last year which is why there's so much optimism on both sides of the ball that guys will improve and progress and get even better going into this season. One place, though, that's going to be a big question mark for them is is uh, what Tom Allen calls the hussy position because Allen plays a 4-2-5 defensive scheme with that extra defensive back, for those who may not know. And Marcelino Ball has been there for seemingly 20 years, but he's a fifth-year senior, but he tours ACL in the preseason. So you have a guy that's been an Indiana starter there for as long as Tom Allen has been with the Indiana program his four years as the head coach plus – the year prior when he was IU's defensive coordinator. So how Indiana fills in for Marcelino Ball is going to be a major question mark and a major point to watch on the Indiana defense this season. Because when Indiana's had success under Tom Allen defensively, it's been because Marcelino Ball's been playing well. He's been such a vital part of that defense when they have success. And you look at a week one match against Penn State, the Pat Fryermuth coming back, he's got 15 touchdown passes as a tight end the last two seasons. Who's going to be guarding the superstar tight end? It's the guy playing the Husky position. So that would have been Marcelino Ball's main assignment throughout the game. And now it goes down to Brian Fitzgerald, Jamar Johnson, is can they fill in that position and replace the production that Ball has given you for so many years and the leadership as well? And that's a matchup that could give Indiana a lot of struggles with that Husky spot. And also another issue that could pose because, uh, trouble in the Penn State game is Indiana struggled with mobile quarterbacks. It, we saw it last year, the game up at Happy Valley, where uh, Sean Clifford has a long touchdown. Run. I think it was like 38, 40 yards in the middle of the third quarter. He punctuates the 18-play, 75-yard, nine-minute marathon drive at the end with a fourth-and-goal touchdown. Down and against Michigan State, Brian Lewerke breaks a really big run late in the game to get Michigan State down the goal to go to break a tie. Indiana's struggled with running quarterbacks, and can they defend RPOs better? and be disciplined in their gaps when they're facing a, a guy that can beat you with his feet behind center. Well, Jack, uh, I feel a little bit more enlightened about what to expect out of Indiana this weekend. I'm not going to come out and ask you directly for any prediction for this game, but do you have any kind of overall analysis of what you're looking to expect to see when this game does kick off on Saturday? 
I think if Indiana could throw the ball effectively, which I think they should be able to do, considering Ben State struggled a little bit defensively on the back end last season, they lose a couple of all Big Ten guys in their secondary. And Indiana has Michael Penix back. As great as Payton Ramsey was for Indiana, winning the games at Nebraska, the Purdue game, getting them to eight wins last season, he's a guy that really can't beat you throwing the ball downfield. He never really had that strong arm. That's where Penix really separated himself from Ramsey in that quarterback battle. So for me, and, and he did, a, to their credit, in most games, did a really good job of masking Ramsey's weaknesses with Kalen DeBoer, who was the offensive coordinator last season. He's now the head coach at Fresno State. Did a phenomenal job play calling. I think the Indiana's first touchdown in the Penn State game is a perfect example of, one, how good DeBoer was, and, two, the type of things they can do in the game this year is they faked a little bubble screen swing pass to a receiver Penn State's defense collapses in and then they run a pose for Ty Freifogel behind the defense Ramsey pump fakes to the receiver throws a perfect deep ball 38 yard touchdown to where Ramsey has it just a perfect deep ball it wasn't really a perfect throw but because there's no one around him you can have a ball that's underthrown a little bit for a touchdown panic is a guy that'll put the ball in the money and lead the receiver so Penn State, I, I remember that Minnesota game last year where Rashard Bateman and Tyler Johnson had so much success on quick slants to set up the deep ball. They had a, Both those receivers had over 300 yards receiving. And I look at what Indiana has in Watt Fillier, Ty Freifogel, and Peyton Hendershot, and I think they may do it a little bit differently, more with bubble screens and drag routes, but they can use the short passing game to set up the vertical passing game. And they have a guy now in Penix that can throw the ball 50 yards down the field, that can really air it out on the back end and be precise and accurate in the short passing game also. I really think that could give Penn State some issues. If they're able to do that and run the ball, keep them honest with Stevie Scott up front, I think Indiana can score some points, especially, you know, Micah Parsons isn't there. You can enlighten me more on what the Penn State linebacker is going to look like without him. But I do think Indiana can score, and I think it really could be a little bit of a shootout because Indiana's defense is a little bit more improved. I do think the missed tackle thing is going to be a bit of an issue. So I think we could see a little bit more points than what people are expecting just because, again, I think Indiana will be able to score, and I think Penn State with Sean Clifford um, – Pat Fryermuth and, and some of the pieces they have will be able to attack Indiana's weaknesses on the defensive side. Yeah, I have a feeling you might be right about a little bit more high scoring than a lot of people are expecting because I do think uh, I, I think Penn State's defense is going to be fine this year, but early on these first couple of games they could be a little bit rough at times because of everything that's been going on and the way that teams have started off the season. I think taking overs is a pretty safe bet <laughs> as far yeah. as the, some of these games are concerned. So I would not be surprised if there's a few more points scored in this game. But I think one thing is for sure, Jack, and that is we're going to be in for a little bit of an enjoyable afternoon, a, a pretty good football game. And one I think uh, Indiana fans and Penn State fans alike have been waiting quite some time for now. So Jack, any closing thoughts, Any uh, anything you want to mention? How can people follow you? Anything you've got going on? Now's your time to plug whatever you have in mind. Uh, this is your floor right now. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JackGrossman97. I am the host of the Crimson Coverage Podcast, talking all things Indiana football, Indiana basketball, a lot of Big Ten as well. That comes out weekly. I think we're recording on Wednesday this week. We're going to switch to Mondays once the games start, though, so we can kind of get that quick reaction out there. And, yeah, follow us, uh, the, the radio station I'm working at, ESPN, the Louisville 680, 105.7939, The Ville on Twitter at ESPN 680. Uh, if you're a Penn State fan, we'll call and gloat if the Nittany Lions win. 
post-game show. I'll be hosting an IU post-game show on Saturday after the game on ESPN 680. And you can call in 502-267-9680 if you want to talk to my IU Penn State. So, Kevin, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. It should be a really fun one on Saturday. If, if Indiana can find a way to win, it, it might be the biggest one in program history. It really could be that for IU. It would not really be an overstatement to suggest that. I would agree with that. Watching Indiana from afar, I will admit. But I do think that uh, the stakes would be pretty high if Indiana were to get a win. But, Jack, I will put all that information in our show notes for this episode. So if anyone wants to go back and check it out, we'll have the links to all the Jack's coverage and all those things that he just mentioned. If you want to call in that post-game show, I'll put in that number too. So if you want to check that out, we'll make sure that that is all included in today's show notes. Always got to give a good shameless plug, am I right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's what this is all about i always end my interviews by giving my guests the floor to say whatever they want plug whatever they want and that's what it's all for jack it was a pleasure getting a chance to talk to you talk some indiana penn state hopefully we can do this again sometime absolutely anytime thanks for having me kevin my sincere thanks to our new friend of the podcast jack grossman check him out on the crimson coverage podcast and at espn louisville again we will have all the information to following jack on twitter and on those other platforms in our show notes to today's episode. So make sure you are subscribed to our podcast so you can check out all episodes in our archive. And as we go through with new episodes every Monday through Friday, you can always go check in the show notes and check out all the links that we talk about during the course of the show. Maybe find a couple other ways to stay connected with us and find the podcasting platform that is right for you. So subscribe, rate and review. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and the podcast in general as we are going through our first full 2020 Penn State season right here on the podcast with me as your host and I understand it's not exactly a full season whatever put an asterisk next to it if you went but uh, this is going to be a fun time to be a part of this podcast and we look forward to bringing you daily coverage Monday through Friday new episodes posted midnight eastern every day moving forward throughout the rest of the season I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm amped. I'm ready to go. I'm going to chill out with some Coors Light. I'm going to drink some Built Bars, get energized, because it's going to be a fun season this year covering Penn State with you guys. And we also want you to stay connected in a variety of ways. So choose the social media platform that is your favorite and follow us there on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch. We use the username LockedOnNitney on all of those. So go ahead and follow us, like us, you know, tag us, whatever the case may be. We're going to be connected with you, not only in the podcast subscriptions, but of course on those social media platforms. And hey, we may even have more in the works on the way. So check it out. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. Check out my college football and Penn State coverage on athlonsports.com. And don't forget about my Patreon at patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire if you want to help support me there as well. Until next time, everybody, tomorrow's going to be a big one. We're going to start taking a look more in depth at the Penn State-Indiana matchup, and then we're going to start to take a look around everything else that's happening in this first weekend of the Big Ten. So stay tuned. Go 1-0 today. Go have a great day and come back. We'll do it all again for you tomorrow. So until then, have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.